We are so excited to share that DSO Connect is now on Patreon, where you can support us directly. Join as a patron and get exclusive access to a bonus podcast episode each month. Just $5 or $10 a month will be a huge help for us. And that's less than your monthly coffee budget. Has the DSO Connect podcast given you ideas and strategies to increase your studio's enrollment and retention? Have our weekly episodes encouraged you as a leader and an artist? Has the DSO Connect community group helped you and your business survive the pandemic? Our goal for DSO Connect and the podcast is to help as many studio owners as possible by delivering quality content and fresh new ideas each week. But we can't do that without your support. It takes equipment, software, expertise, money, and lots of time to produce our podcast. If you think our podcast has helped you gain or retain even just one student, that support pays for itself. To find out more and to become a patron, go to patreon.com and search for DSO Connect. Or check out our link tree at linktree.com slash DSO Connect. Thank you so much for your support. We can't do this without our community of studio owners. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. How's it going, Robin? What's happening today? Oh, it's it's going well. We just spent the weekend in Key West. Um, Wally and I drove the camper down. And of course, now we have camper envy of everyone else's big campers because our camper is small. <laughs> but we just keep reminding ourselves we have a camper and not a tent. <laughs> there you go. So, um, it was really nice to um, get to visit with my brother and um, my sister-in-law, and we got to go to Duval Street and do the typical Key West things, and uh, now we're back. And now I've got four days of heavy-duty work before the studio opens. How about nice. you? Yeah, um, I had last week off from the studio, so I did basically nothing, and it was delightful. And now I've got several days of lots of work before classes begin on Monday. So I'm, yeah, looking forward to it. Ready to jump back in it. Ready to jump back in. Absolutely. I've got lots of meetings this week with parents and dancewear fittings and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, we have a special guest today. We're very excited to introduce our listeners to Corey Sterling. Um, I'll go ahead and read his bio here. Corey Sterling is the founder of the heart-leading law firm Conscious Counsel, awarded number one most innovative fitness and wellness law firm of 2021. As a lawyer, group fitness instructor, and author of The Yoga Law Book, Corey has supported hundreds of clients in the health dance and wellness space with their legal agreements and business protection. He won the award for highest rated session at Mind Body Bold and is the only lawyer who has completed the Mind Body Business Consulting Program in order to learn overall best business practices for studios. So welcome, Corey, to the DSO Connect podcast. Thank you, Casey and Robin. Thank you for having me. Full transparency, I do not have a camper. (laughs) But I, I just have any camper size envy based on that. I didn't even. Right. I know. Same. I was like, oh, I don't even have a camper. So I've got a two person backpacking tent. Robin, you want to go backpacking with me? No, not unless there's air conditioning. Yeah. It's all right. We are all very different people. Yeah, we are. But it's, a seed has been planted in my mind. There you go. Oh, camper. Huh? Okay. Let's see. 
There you go. Love it. Love it. Well, Corey, we're excited to have you and talk about all things law, which is usually a very daunting topic for business owners, especially for business owners in the arts industry, as we are, um, because uh, most of us have no experience with anything law related when we start our businesses. And it's, um, you know, not our favorite topic, but you have kind of coined the phrase that you have turned law into f- into something fun. <laughs> so how do you do that? And what is a heart-centered law firm? What does that mean exactly? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. So law being fun is important because we have to enjoy the different things that we do in our life. I think as a rule, we don't have to enjoy everything, but we should enjoy the majority of the things that we're doing. And the thing about being a dance studio owner is that um, from you know the hundreds that I've worked with, everyone starts off passionate and doing this because they love dance. They want to see the youth dancing. They want to offer a community space. They want people to be healthy and happy and all of these things. And when you're an entrepreneur, they don't give you a handbook where they're like, oh, and these are also all the rules and laws that you should be aware of. It's more like, oh, I got a business license. I signed a lease. Here's a bunch of mirrors in a studio space. Cool. Let's go. Um, and so the, the, the point of law being fun is just understanding that there are certain things that need to be taken care of related to your business. And you can, uh, you, we, have, we have two choices to look at things that we do in our life. You could choose to look at things as being challenging, overwhelming, stressful, all the bad stuff, or it could be fun, engaging, inspirational, and motivational um, in order to build a safe business that's safe for you and your 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 community. So lobbying fun, it was just sort of a no-brainer, right? It was like, why not? And no one else is making law fun, so we might as well be the only ones. Nice. I love that. That's awesome. So how did you get started? I mean, like what made you want to be a lawyer in the first place? You don't seem like a typical lawyer kind of person. <laughs> yeah, I um I used to work in the NFL. What? I was a writer for uh, for the Oakland Raiders for a couple of years, and I was doing. I got a scholarship to do a master's in sport management, and like the first the first course we took at school was a hundred percent about networking. And they're like, a master's degree, you know, uh, an undergraduate degree is about learning and education, and a master's degree is about learning how to get a job. Um, so they, it, it was the the school was almost a hundred percent practical, and it was all about the first course was all about networking. And like how to be able to get in touch with anyone who you want to connect with, which was really, really helpful for me. And so I was, I had a job in the NFL. I had an email address in the NFL and I just leveraged that to meet all of these executives for ESPN, for FIFA, for, you know, big, massive, massive global sports teams. And like, after I spoke to all of them and they were, you know, at the time I was like 23 and they're like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I have no idea which I feel like is a very standard answer. Um, and so the, the advice that all of them gave were to go to law school or get an MBA. And I, I think in 2021, I don't think I would get the same advice, but when, you know, um, in 1964, when I was doing that, that's the advice that they were giving me. I'm just joking <laughs> um, to date myself. Um, but yeah, so, so basically that's when the seed was planted worked for a couple of years in the NFL. Then I traveled the world for about four years. Um, I learned different languages. I lived in different countries. 
And then at some point I just realized all of my friends were doing something and I was backpacking continuously without a camper. Um, and so I decided to go to law school and that's how I got there. That's amazing. Wow, that's exciting. What a journey. Did you start in Canada? Uh, well, I was born in Canada. Yes, I am Canadian. So not by choice. I started there. <laughs> okay. um, but I, ha I haven't really. Li I lived in Canada. In Canada, I no. I I'm now 35. I started traveling when I was 19. And then everything that I did, every job that I took or every schooling that I did, everything would be abroad. Um, so it was just like work, save money, travel, or get to a place, save money, travel, work, basically, learn languages, play sports. Um, and then after I, I tried doing the right, I tried, quote unquote, doing the right thing, you know, I came back after, you know, I had a law degree, I studied in Australia. And I was like, yeah, you know what, maybe I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rent a nice apartment. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to wear a suit. I remember purchasing a sofa, which for me at the time was like the craziest thing I ever, I was like, no, like I can be normal. I, I swear I can do this. I can buy a sofa. And then I bought a sofa. I was like, this is the worst thing that I, worst decision I ever made. I'm just joking. But, um, and then I, I tried, I tried being a, a normal lawyer and a normal person for, about three years, I had a, a good job at a reputable law firm. I wore a suit. I had business cards, all that sort of stuff. And then one day I was just like, yeah, I'm out. I didn't, I didn't study and spend all of this time to, you know, work in a job that I'm not passionate about. And I just made a promise to myself that I was going to try to start my own online law firm. I went online in 2017 and I was like, cool, I, I bought a one-way ticket to Denmark, to Copenhagen. And I was like, I had $3,000 in the bank. And I was like, if no, if all of my, you know, if any clients like, no, Corey, we can't work with you if you're not here with us, or we don't want to work with an online lawyer or whatever it is. I was like, I'll go until my money runs out and then I'll come back and then I'll get a job and sit in an office. And four years later, I'm on the same trip. So I'm still traveling. Wow. You know, I bet a lot of our listeners can kind of relate to your story in the sense that we didn't want to work a nine to five job. Um, we, you know, a lot of us have college degrees. I personally don't, but many of us, you know, have gone to college to pursue dance. And then after, you know, maybe working a little bit in the dance field, you know, have for whatever reason found themselves drawn to the idea of entrepreneurship and the freedom that comes with, you know, making your own rules and making your own schedule. Um, and like Casey said at the beginning, a lot of us kind of get bogged down or scared when it comes to accounting or legal or that kind of stuff because it's not in our wheelhouse. So, but I bet your story kind of resonates with a lot of people in the sense of like, yeah, I opened this business because, you know, I love teaching dance, but I don't want to be in you know, a pantsuit every day in a cubicle working nine to five. Yeah, that that's just it, Robin. And that's what heart being in heart, a heart leading entrepreneur is just that it's some, the, the decision that I made to be like, cool, I'm going to do what I think is right. And what is most fun for me and most meaningful for me. And for dance studio owners, I'm a hundred percent sure it's the exact same where you looked at the two options. One was the road that is the prepaved road for you that 
maybe you should quote unquote be taking. And then the opposite is the adventure and the bumpier road of being an entrepreneur and doing something that you love and creating a space that you yourself, you know, you yourself and you'd want your family to participate in also. And so that's the definition of being heart leading. It's you've made the decisions for your life and for your business from your heart instead of, you know, from, from what we're supposed to be doing. I love that. So what is it that dance studio owners need in terms of legal advice, generally speaking, assuming that, you know, nobody's in the midst of a lawsuit or anything tragic or, un, you know, extraordinary, just, you know, in everyday operations, what kinds of things should we have in place? Um, what, what do we need? What do, you, what do we need from you? Okay. The, what, what you need is you need, a do, you need documents signed. You need executed legally binding documents for the different relationships that you have. That's the most simplistic way that I explain it to my clients is as follows. So what you can do is you can take a piece of paper, you can put the name of your dance studio in the middle of that piece of paper, and you draw a line to all the different relationships that you have. So you have a relationship with the parents, you have a relationship with the kids, both of those sort of fall under the, you know, the umbrella of clients. If you're renting a space, you have a relationship with a landlord. If you have a business partner, that could be a relationship that you have. Um, if you've got teachers, whether they're contractors or employees, that's a relationship that you have. You have a social media and a website. That's a relationship you have with everyone on the internet. So really what you want to do is think about the different relationships that you have and then have legal agreements in place for each of those relationships. And that's, and it's, I could go into the specifics of what that would be for each of them, but, but generally speaking, that's the goal of the exercise. Okay, so I'm a studio owner who's been in business for 30 years, and I have all of those agreements, um, but I'm kind of curious to know if they're airtight or if they're good or if they need updating or dusting off or something. Do you provide brand new documents or do you review a studio owner's existing documents? We do. We only do brand new documents. So now I'm in the fourth year and entering the fifth year. The first two years, I would look at any document and revise it and all of that stuff. What I learned, I can tell you out of a hundred times that I reviewed someone do someone's document, only twice can I remember being like, yep, yeah, these are good. These are at best legal practices. And that's because a lot of people will get documents for free. They'll copy documents. They'll download a template and fill it in. And the reality is that often that's not good enough. It's, it's sort of like a seatbelt, right? Like, okay, if my seatbelt breaks or I install, like I don't trust myself to install my own seatbelt. And in the same way, I wouldn't trust myself if I wasn't, I don't trust myself to do my own accounting in full transparency. That's like something that I understand. I need to work with someone who understands all that stuff. And then Robin, specifically to your question of like, is it airtight? Does it need to be revised? This is the way that you always want to think about it. The document should be, all of the agreements for the different relationships should be the latest updated version of what relationship you have is. So as an example of how dance, you know, how, what's changed for dance studios, the transition of everything being 100% in person to something's being done online, right? If you just think about the waiver of liability, the, a waiver of liability is only as good as for the activities that it covers. If the activities have changed and you're using a waiver of liability for only in-studio lessons and all that sort of stuff, 
and now you decide to pivot and also offer online or have on-demand videos or whatever it is, that's a different activity. And if someone would, were to get injured online, that waiver of liability would not cover you. Hmm. And so you, and so the answer is likely if you're like most other studio owners in the past two years, where the way that you operate and the relationships that you have have changed, you would need those documents updated. So are you saying that you like offer kind of a, a, a pre a package of documents yeah. that people can purchase? Yeah, we, we have, we offer packages of two, three or four documents. So, and, and so that let's say if someone were to need all four, typically that would be either a contractor or an employee agreement. And the sorts of things now that it has to deal with are things like um, intellectual property ownership. If you're recording video or audio of someone who owns that material, I had a story with a studio where they built a whole online library with someone who was a contractor. They didn't have a signed contractor agreement. They just paid them for recording the videos. And at law, what the owner didn't know is at law, the contractor also owned 50% of the videos that were created because those are, copy, those are copyright laws. And that's an example of something that someone may not think about. So, you know, six months down the line after they stopped working together, the teacher came back and was like, hey, you're still selling these videos with me in them. And I'm at law, I'm entitled to 50% of the revenues from them hmm. because I own half of it. As, as one example, one example of the many examples of different problems or, or issues that I've seen. Okay. So before I ask my next question, well, look, yeah. let me ask my next question. <laughs> um, what if there's it. a particular thing in, that is important to a, a studio owner that doesn't happen to be in your document? Do you add that in? Yeah, yeah. you 100% should. And that's why, if for an example, in, in one of the documents that we sell, which would be a, a media release agreement, you can, you, can have it, um, you can have it dated so that it covers any materials that you've recorded together in the past. So anything that we've recorded in the past, anything that we're doing in the future, all of it fits under the same umbrella. But I realized that I didn't answer your question about the, what the packages of documents are. So I'm just going to go okay. back there for one second. Good. So contractor employee, you really want to be careful to make the right classification. Um, because especially with dance, what I've seen often in dance is that studios are transitioning from contractor employee because they want more control over the way the services are provided which is always the, that's always the turning point. If you have a teacher who can make their own schedule, come and go as they want, teach whatever they style, whatever style they want in any particular way, that's more of a contractor. But if you say to someone, hey, you're going to be teaching tap and this is how you, all of our tap classes have to be done the exact same way. That's an example of an employee. So working with studio owners to understand what they want is important. The waiver of liability with all of the COVID online pre-recorded stuff um, is another document. It's probably the document that we draft most for our clients. Then it would be a studio membership agreement, how things have changed as opposed to wh what they were like before. If there have to be closures, if there's limited amount mm -hmm. of enrollment or, you know, um, any issues related to that. If there are things about vaccinations that you have a particular stance on, all of that would be in the studio membership agreement. And then it would be a privacy policy, terms of service, and a social media disclaimer to cover you for all your online relationships. So I just wanted to make sure that all those four are listed. That's privacy, contractor, employee, waiver, 
or a studio in a studio membership agreement. Wow, that's a lot. So you so just to be clear about my last question, they're not yeah, just please. like pre pre-made no. temp they, they would be specific to an individual studio. A hundred percent. So the way that we work with our clients is that they'll sign up and then we send them a link through Typeform and they answer a series of questions so that we understand the specifics about what relationships they want to have, the way that they operate, what's important to them. Someone on our legal team will draft the documents. We then send them the documents and hop on a phone call to make sure they understand hundred percent. And how are the, how do we as studio owners deliver the documents to our customers? Is it, um, just as a PDF or, or a, like, is it you can, paper? you can sign up for something. It depends. If you use like, um, a software, something like mind body or wellness living or whatever studio software management you have, often you can just upload the agreements to that. And then when people sign up, they have to click, I agree to the terms and I agree to the waiver of liability. We have a lot of clients who use something called waiver King. We have clients who use DocuHub or DocuSign. But basically, in essence, there's a lot of different ways that um, that you can get the clients to to sign the agreement, and and I think people are are accustomed to signing agreements these days. Yeah, for sure. So I use um, a software called the Studio Director, and there is like an online policies agreement and, a, and an online waiver agreement. Um, that all like it's and it's just like a checkbox. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah. Would that hold up? It, it depends. It, look, the, the answer, at law, when I went to law school, there's a course that we took, which is called It Depends. <laughs> and basically, they, they teach you that as a lawyer, the answer to every question has to be It Depends. Gotcha. The final exam was impossible. It was just like, <laughs> I was there, I studied. I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to write It Depends and see what happens. And I, I did really well. Um, so what it, what it depends on, and this is why working with a lawyer helps mm-hmm. because lawyers have these questions. So what you want to make sure is firstly, the waiver of liability should always be a separate document okay. and nothing else should be included with the waiver of liability. The reason for that is a waiver is someone signing away their legal rights. So everyone's more serious about that than they are other things. Mm. Like a studio membership agreement is like, okay, cool. I'm going to pay an annual membership and this is what it looks like and, and prepay and auto pay and whatever. But when a waiver is someone agreeing to forfeit legal rights, so you want it to be separate and its own document. And then for all of them, you always want to give people the opportunity to, before they, before they can click, I agree, or before they can confirm a purchase, they have to have an opportunity to read the document. Mm-hmm. Because I did have a story once where um, someone got injured and the basis of their argument was that they, w- they were able to sign up without having to read the document first. And that's like more of a procedural question than anything else, yeah. but it's also relevant. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess as studio owners, we need to be going through and reviewing the onboarding process and the registration process to make sure that if we do have these forms and documents in an online situation, or even if it's on, if, if it's in person, they need to be able to read the documents before they actually register and pay. 100%. Okay, cool. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> so are your, um, waivers uh, specific to businesses in different countries or is it universal? 
Well, we d- we do have clients all over the world. So we've got clients in South Korea and in Singapore and in Australia and in New Zealand and in South Africa and in Europe and in the UK and Canada and the United States, obviously. Um, within the United States, it, you, it goes by a state-by-state jurisdiction. But we draft, we draft the waiver of liability to be the maximum protect, like the maximum protection possible. There are particular nuance, like very, very specific nuances of a waiver of liability that change in a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis. But we basically draft like a blanket waiver of liability to um, to cover all of the juris- as as much as possible from all of the jurisdictions as possible. And 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 the difference with us is that we're industry specific. So it's specifically a dance waiver. We understand what studios are going through. We understand what types of activities they offer. We understand how they offer those activities and what the risks are and the challenges of working with minors and all that sort of stuff. And our documents are, are very, very industry specific. Got it. Yeah. So and just because I'm curious, aside from dance studios, what other specific industries do you work with? We work with yoga, we work with Pilates, we work with gyms and personal trainers, we work with massage and spa professionals, and then also health coaches as well. Cool. And how did you find your way into this little niche? I, when I was working at a big law firm, yoga was my escape. Mm. And so I was like, I needed to go and breathe. And I mean, look, compared to what my lifestyle is like now, it's crazy. But back then it was like rushing to get to a 7 p.m., you know, hot yoga class. Right. It was like, oh, my God, it's am I going to make it for seven after, you know, I've been in the office for 11 hours, whatever. Um, and so it sort of just naturally started where my, the community I was living in Vancouver, British Columbia at the time, most of my, fen- my friends were involved in yoga. I was working for a big law firm. I was super disconnected from any actual individual. And, and then I just, there was, I, I wrote a book called the yoga law book um, that sort of documents like what my first two years being a, a lawyer working in health and wellness was like, but I just realized that like none of the yoga teachers or, you know, studio owners or people running teacher trainings, they didn't understand anything about the law. And there was an incident where someone got hurt and no one signed a waiver. And it was someone who I really cared about. And I spoke to them afterwards. I was like, don't you understand, you know, duty of care, standard of care, all these things. And they had no idea. Um, So that's part of how I started with all of that. And then the second way of how I expanded into different areas was basically just like wanting to work with awesome people who do things that I love. And also me, like I love fitness. I love working out. I love going to different studios. And so I realized that if I had these types of clients going to like a spin class or going to a boxing class would be deemed a business expense for my business. <laughs> so I was like, how can I just, Brilliant. How, can I, how can I build a lifestyle around do, you know, that everything that I do is technically a business expense or as, as good as possible. It's a, and a funny amazing. Story, I love but, that. <laughs> It, it is Casey, but also like sort of buyer beware um, just because the first year, like I went to live in India and I was in an ashram and I was like, I remember I, I sent my accountant all my expenses. I, it was my first year being an entrepreneur. I knew nothing. I still know very little, but I'm like, now I know that I work, you know, I have a bookkeeper and an accountant and I have 
you know, now like I know that I have to be professional, but I sent him like everything. And he's like, there's no chance. He's like, there's no chance we can submit this and you will not get audited. So I'm just not going to submit any of it. But I've been slowly <laughs> fine tuning. I've been fine tuning. You know, it's like I've been figuring out the, the, the ways within the lines to do it. But the, the honest answer from, you know, a 31 year old starting my own business was like, I just wanted my whole life to be a business expense. Yeah, I feel like dance studio owners can relate to that too. Oh, yeah, amen. I mean, for sure. Go to uh, I like I consider my like my yoga classes that I take for myself. I consider that a business expense because I've got to keep my body. Development. I've got it. Yeah, it's professional development. I've got to keep my body in tune, and I've got to you know like I incorporate some yoga practices into my dance classes that I teach. You know, if I buy a ticket to see a dance performance, that's a business expense because I'm learning yeah. more about about what is happening in the dance world. And yeah, absolutely. Everything's business expense. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Let's say yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everything should be. And like seeing Beyonce also. Like, oh, yeah. Right. Going to a Beyonce concert is. Because there's choreography it's there. Business. Yeah. It's very important <laughs> um, professional development going to see Beyonce for sure. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you have any tips for or just like general advice for dealing with um, demanding parents who threaten a lawsuit for something like demanding a Ooh. refund or not liking their child's placement in their, in their level or in their casting decisions that we make. Um, but I think primarily the refund issue is one that, uh, that studio owners face a lot. And I know that. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And also parents are not like I, I wouldn't say parents in general can be very difficult because I don't know what percentage of the world are parents. I know you're not lot. wrong. They can be very difficult. We love them, but yeah, they can be very difficult. Yeah. They, can, they can be, especially when it's about their kids. Um, so what I can tell you is the best strategy really is having a, a really solid either a membership agreement or a service agreement, you can choose what, what you want to call it. But the whole point is we teach all of our clients how to use the screenshot defense. So a screenshot defense is someone makes a complaint, they want to refund the positioning of the child, whatever issue comes up. I receive a complaint from, the, from a parent. Hey, Corey, you know, my, yeah, my daughter Isabel is in the back row and she's really upset about it in this number and blah, blah, blah. Hey, parent X, you know, uh, um, we love Isabel. She brings such great energy to the class. She's so wonderful. We love having her with us. Before you signed up to work at Conscious Council Dance Studios, you signed a membership agreement or, you know, call it what you want. Um, you know, a, a sure, a, a dance membership agreement. And, you know, Provision 7 explicitly states that we make no promises about where any child is going to be placed. Um, we brought this to your attention. You, you continue to sign the agreement. And now this is a legally binding agreement. We told you about this before we'd, we entered into the relationship. So at this point, all we can tell you is that we're so excited to have her as part of our team. And we look forward to seeing her in Thursday morning's class, right? That's very, very, that's how you deactivate when you're able. That's the whole point of having these documents on a day-to-day -day basis that you can demonstrate to someone, hey, before we accepted your money, before we started working together, you became legally bound to an agreement. And that agreement says, 
ABC. It could be about refunds. It could be about this. It could be about that. And like, that's why it's important to have a customized agreement because each dance studio owner is going to have different nuances of what they deem to be, you know, the pitfalls or the common problems that they always have with parents or whatever it is. And that's how you basically deactivate it. It goes from being an emotional situation to, hey, well, we told you that this is what you could expect in working with us and you still agree to do so. As such, you're not entitled to a refund and we hope that you understand. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's excellent. That's really good. I love that. It's, it's also heart leading because it's just the, the sentence that I always teach my clients when, there's, when, they're, when my clients are dealing with their clients and you have someone who's signed an agreement, the sentence I always tell them to, to say to them is like, how can we restore integrity around this relationship? And like, oh. I get that you're upset and that's really difficult. Here's what you signed. This is a legally binding agreement. That's why it also, you know, has to be done properly. How, how, how do you want to move forward from this? And what's someone going to do at that point? It's so obvious that they're in that, you know, that they're in, in a, an unfavorable position or that they're, they're currently contradicting something that they previously agreed to. That's good. That's really good. And we, we do need to be certain when we're saying those things that our documents are airtight right. and that, that we did all the right things and we didn't just throw something together or pull something out of the file, blow the dust off of it from, you know, 1995 and, you know, <laughs> slap it in, into our brochure or whatever. We need to make sure that everything is actually um, solid so that we can stand on it. Yeah. And that's when your question was, you know, do my documents need to be revised or edited or looked at again? And my answer was like, it depends what relationship you currently have. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so that's why, because there's been so much change in the industry and there's been so much change in the world, that's why we've seen you know, an influx of studio owners looking to get their documents redone and revisited. Yeah. So if a person, if a studio owner was interested in um, using your services, what does that look like beyond these documents? Or is, is that, is that the, the crux of, of what you're offering? Um, do you also offer advice? Like, you know, like we could email you if we, we need advice or is it a retainer situation? Like, why don't you spend a minute or two just, given us the pitch on, on what it is that your business offers. Well, I'm going to answer your question with a question. And what do you think would be most valuable either to yourself and to, or to your community who's listening? For me, I would love to have my documents refreshed mm -hmm. and also have the ability to reach out to someone like yourself um, occasionally. And honestly, it doesn't come up very often. Um, but if something did come up, I would like to be able to reach out to someone and, and get advice on a particular topic without having to pay somebody, you know, a whole big giant chunk of money to ask a little question. What, what on a monthly basis do you think would be a fair amount to have access to a lawyer, an industry specific lawyer in that, per, in, in that context? What do you think, what is something that you think is fair? That's a really good question. I don't know because I go, you go. Casey. So I, I was actually looking through um, a dance studio owner group on Facebook um, to see, you know, what kind of law questions studio owners have been asking about. And um, one studio owner, now this was um, maybe a year ago, but one studio owner was talking about an online law retainer service that they subscribed to. And I think she said it was like $60 a month, which to me seemed 
pretty reasonable. And she said that it's basically you have a retainer on, uh, you have a lawyer on retainer and you can contact them for, I think it's like a, a specific amount of um, time or a specific number of correspondences um, that are involved, that are included in the, in the package for that amount. Um, but that seemed really reasonable to me. I don't know. Yeah, I would say that considering I've never needed a lawyer other than to draft like my LLC and my S Corp documents, um, I don't know that I need it very often. Right. So, yeah, and I don't have a lot of experience in what lawyers charge. Mm -hmm. So, okay. bouncing it back to you, Corey. <laughs> oh my gosh, now the pressure's on. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm not. Um, it, it, it's, it's interesting because I've had the idea for so long to start a, diff a membership program mm -hmm. within the different okay. niches that I work with. So having a yoga law membership, having a dance law membership, having a Pilates law membership and, and all this stuff. And the idea is it would either it would probably be biweekly calls where people could submit questions beforehand um, and then I would be able to answer them. And then, and like also other sort of fun things that provide value and whatnot. But the idea being like, if an issue comes up and a parent's complaining, you know, being able, having access to a lawyer who understands the industry, who I can support and lean on, but also hearing what other questions other people are asking. Because mm. the biggest thing about law that I find is like, and Robin, it makes total sense. We're like, oh, like, well, I haven't needed this before, but like, I, I could just share with you all of these issues that I see my clients constantly going through. And you'd be, and I promise you, your answer would be like, oh, well, I never thought of that. And I never thought of that. And I never thought of that. Um, and then it's one of those things where it's like, you never think about it until, and I'm knocking on wood. This is a physical piece of wood <laughs> that I'm knocking on. And knock on wood that it never happens. But in the event that it does happen, the consequences are grave, expensive, and extremely stressful. So right. um, it's, it's great to know your perspectives um, on, on that membership. Does that sound like something that would be helpful? Like, you know, in, included in a monthly membership of something like $60, you'd get a discount on future services. You'd have access to a lawyer, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think especially if, for someone who's dealing with, um, um, intellectual property stuff with employees and, you know, just, I mean, there's so many different things that, that are, involved in running a studio and i think just having somebody to be like hey does this seem does this seem right <laughs> yeah or you know to have someone another big one is to have someone to look over a lease agreement that's a big one it's they've it's there's a really interesting study that just came out about one of the cures for insomnia <laughs> <laughs> is it reading commercial lease agreements it's, it's reading a lease yeah <laughs> <laughs> I should try that. I've never tried that one. Oh my, I promise you, you won't get past page four. <laughs> You're like, who wrote this? What were they thinking? What robot was involved? This is the saddest day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But literally, true story. I get mail um, in my inbox at the studio. And if it is from the government or an insurance company, or anything legalese, I literally do not open it. I just send it to Jamie, my HR person, or my husband, if it's on a personal level. But it's like, I, I, I can't even read it. Or my accountant. It's like, I literally cannot read this. I, I don't understand it. And I'm sure that if I tried hard, I mean, I'm not a dum-dum. It's just, I'm so not interested and I can't. 
So I, it would be nice to have someone to help with those things. Um, but also like a Facebook group where mm. you could hear the answers to other people's questions, mm-hmm. um, like you said, but um, maybe a Facebook group would be even more appealing than a weekly biweekly call because we have so many calls on our calendars, it's true. but to, but to be able to jump into a Facebook group and scroll back and see like, Oh, somebody else asked that question. Mm-hmm. Like I would probably pay to be, to have access to something like that. Yeah. Got it. That's, I think that's great. And I think there's also the possibility to give people an option or possibly having both. The only yeah. thing that, that I would, and I'm just sharing this hundred percent, being hundred percent transparent, whatever I would be doing, it would not be legal services. Like there are a lot of rules that apply. Once you're someone's lawyer, you have all these fiduciary duties of how you have to behave and what confidential information is. So for me, the one thing that I'm just weary of about a Facebook group is like, it would have to be super clear with everyone before they sign up. Like, Hey, this is public. Everyone's going to look at it. If there's something private, send it to me. And, And the idea is on those calls, and even just like recording the calls or it could even just be me reading the questions and providing answers. Mm-hmm. The, the answers would have to be hundred percent anonymous. Right. Because I, I could not, mm-hmm. I, and even though it's not legal services, I think probably everyone would just feel more comfortable if that was the situation. That's a good yeah, point. That's a very good point. Definitely. Yeah. So at this point you're saying that you offer the documents, but not so much the advice, but it's something that you're maybe thinking about yeah. doing in terms of I, we're, we, we, I've just built a new website, which is called lawsfund.com. And what that, what that website is going to be, it's going to be our documents, but without the support. So it's basically going to be people signing up, purchasing documents through the site and then getting a customized agreement, and then the relationship is finished. It's also not going to be legal services. Mm -hmm. So we're launching that in the next couple of weeks, and then probably the membership would be a project for October or November as well. But I I would say stay tuned because this conversation is helpful, and and it's something that I've, I've wanted to do for a long time. Also, just because like, I love helping people. I love understanding what's going on the, in the industry. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of potential. That's exciting. Well, I love your personality <laughs> and I'm sure everyone does. But definitely is very appealing to work with someone who's fun, who makes you laugh, who's knowledgeable, while also, like you said, making things fun. Because... The, the last thing I want to do in my work day is anything that's boring. I usually yeah. just right. put it to the bottom of the list. But knowing that, you know, if, if, if I was retaining you that I, oh, I got to have to call Corey today, that would not be something I would necessarily feel like pushing to the bottom of my list. Right, exactly. Oh, it's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, speaking to you is not on the bottom of my list. Yes. <laughs> The last time I met with a lawyer, it was about, um, uh, you know, like drafting a business purchase agreement. And I was like so nervous to show up at a law office and like look like a presentable adult and try to speak like I knew what the hell I was talking about. (laughs) It's a lot. It's it's a lot. And it's intimidating. A lot of um, dance studio owners in our group. Um, well, I, I would say in general, a lot of um, dance studio owners start their businesses when they're very young. Mm-hmm. I started when I was 22. I know Casey was about the same yeah, age when she started. And when you are that age and you have to deal with 
going to a lawyer, it's intimidating if it's out of your realm. Yep. I mean, unless you just came out of college for law or something like that. But um, it's 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 intimidating. And the last thing that we need is someone who's you know just kind of looking down their nose at us. Um, I actually, I know that our listeners know how much I I admire and adore my father and he gives me lots and lots of business advice. But when my studio started to get from hobby to more serious and my dad realized that um, I wasn't letting this, this, this thing go, he sent me to a lawyer. He said, I'll pay the lawyer, but you need to be come an LLC so that the family is protected. And I went, but unbeknownst to me, he had asked the lawyer to try to talk me out of it, like talk me out of being a dance studio. <gasps> and I didn't know it at the time, but I was like, this lawyer is out of line. <laughs> like he was trying to pressure me into, you know, giving up my dream. And um, he, he went hard on me and I was like digging my heels in. And I was, I kind of stormed out and I was like, dad, you know, this happened. And he was like, well, I kind of asked him to put the pressure on you to see if he could snap you out of this. But anyway, it could be very intimidating to talk to somebody who is, um, you know, in, in, like you said, in a law firm. But anyway, I love your approach. I love that it's, you know, you, you make it seem like, hey, this is not, you're, you're not a dummy if you don't understand this. Mm -hmm. It's my expertise. You've got your own expertise. And let's just get, make this work together. Yeah. That's it. Then, then, then we've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Success. Check mark. Done. <laughs> All right. So if people want to learn more, they should go to lawisfun.com. Is that correct? No, well, we'll I'm, I'm sure for, for the show notes, um, we can, we'll include a bunch of links mm -hmm. to, to a bunch of our stuff. Um, I also recently launched um, a new online course called Don't Get Sued. So I'll make oh, sure that that's great. My, yeah, that's what we're that's why we're doing this. Um, so I'll make sure that someone from my team gets you guys a special promo code so that you can offer it to your listeners for free. Perfect. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, the, the website is consciouscouncil.ca. And yeah, ha excited to connect with everyone and anyone. And um, and thank you so much for having me. This was just like this was outrageous fun. And I did <laughs> not push it to the bottom of my list. <laughs> this was Corey. This was the top of my list today, just so you know. <laughs> Well, that's, I feel better about myself. <laughs> All right. Well, before we finish, we like to end on a high note. I mean, this whole, this whole episode has been a high note, but we like to end with a heart happy moment. So Robin, what has made your heart happy this week? Um, hmm. Well, you know, like I said earlier, we did a little weekend trip to Key West and um, returned to our house in Cape Coral and, Yesterday, my husband and I sat in the pool and just debriefed on our weekend and, you know, regrouped. And we actually, and this is one of those things I've been meaning to do. We all are, we all do. And then, but we, I hadn't done it. I was like, let's just talk about all the things that we should be grateful for right mm. now. And we kind of ran through the list of, you know, everything from grandbaby to we, we were able to be, we were blessed enough to be able to purchase this, this vacation home. You know, our, our my my son got a job at the theater that he's been wanting to work at. My kid has finally launched at college. Just all of the things, at least for today, are in line and in order. And I'm grateful. So I'm and I was grateful to stand in the pool with my husband, sipping a glass of wine and counting our blessings. Hell yeah! That, that sounds amazing. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Corey, what's your heart happy moment? 
Heart happy moment. Um, well, it's now where I'm, I'm in Brazil. I've been in Brazil for a, for a little while now, and I live beside a national park. Um, and this past week, I don't know where we are on the moon cycle, but we have to be in new moon territory. And if we're not in new moon territory, it's just like the moon's coming up super late. So what happens is when we walk in the park, there's just the craziest, most beautiful sky with stars. Oh, wow. So um, I've been walking with my dogs and we've just, I don't know, it's an incredible feeling being with your dogs, walking in nature barefoot and looking up at the sky with stars and thinking how beautiful all of it is and how much I appreciate it. So that's made my heart very, very happy. And how that's about you, awesome. Casey? Um, let's see. My Labor Day uh, on Monday would have been my eighth anniversary with my ex. And so now that I'm single, I was determined to make it a happy day instead of a sad day. And so a friend of mine went to a winery and enjoyed a few flights of wine and we packed a little picnic and it was just beautiful scenery and just absolutely lovely. So that was my heart happy moment, just enjoying that day and not, not being sad about it. <laughs> Beautiful Good for you. Choosing Thanks. happy. Choosing, Choosing happy. happy. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it was so nice to meet you, Corey. I really enjoyed this hour. Yes. Thank you so much for chatting with us. It's been lovely to have you. Um, listeners, thank you so much for listening. And if you are interested in Corey's services, go to consciouscouncil.ca. We will also have links uh, in our show notes for this episode. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.